He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. I'm Mark Titus. He is Tate Frazier. Producer Kyle sitting over there. We are One Shining Podcast. State. how was your Thanksgiving? It was beautiful, Titus. How was your Thanksgiving? So I, I went back home to Indiana. I was telling everybody I was not going to go home. Uh, my parents still live in Indiana, in Indiana, so I went home to visit them. And um, Humble brag. I, I took the red eye back home. I get to Indiana at about 4.30 local time, 4.30 a.m. Mm. I stall. I go to Chick-fil-A at the airport, get a little meal because I know my parents aren't going to be up yet. Mm. It gets to be about 5.30. I figure my dad's retired. He, he Surely he's going to be awake this early. Go ring the doorbell. Uh, Dad answers the door with his gun in his hand because he lives. They live in like an old folks. They're not like old, but they live in one of those. I don't know how to say this. My dad's listening to this. He's gonna kill me. But they live in like an old folks place. Not not like a nursing home, but you know what I'm saying. Like you drive through and like there's like a bunch of people sitting out on their front porch mm. and just kind of like nosy. And, and everyone is it goes. an actual community of old people? No, no, no. no, no. Okay. It's not like the it's just not like, like a neighborhood. It's of- not like the thing in Florida where like everyone drives the golf carts. Yes. It's just like a bunch of houses that were just built and like almost everybody who bought them were all like 60 or older. And so, so, so it is a community. I'm so confused. Yes. Yeah, but but it's like yes. hold on. <laughs> Sorry, Titus family. You live in a senior citizen center. Dad, Tate said that, not me. So, Dad was freaked out that someone was knocking on the door in his in his quiet mm. little neighborhood that he ju- they just moved in there within like the last year, and mm. he was like freaked out, like, "Oh God, did I move into actually not the quiet neighborhood I thought?" So he grabs his gun and he almost shot me. So that was my story. I had a fun Thanksgiving. It was great. <laughs> that was a great story. I was gonna try to come back when you were at Chick Fil A. I was like, when I got in, you know, my mom picked me up from mm-hmm. the airport. I got Bojangles, nice Cajun filet biscuit, went home, ate it, laid on the couch, watched basketball games, caught up with my mother. She told me all about my podcast and what she thought was good and what was, she thought was bad, you know? But your story is way mom, better. Given the uh, the breakdown, that'd be interesting to, to hear what she has to say. Ooh, but, uh, lots, of, lots of takes. So help me out, and and, and we'll hash, we'll work through this together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I surprised my parents, and they were very excited to see me, and— for Thanksgiving because I told them I was not going to come home. But then as the week wore on, they were less excited to see me because I parked my ass on the couch the entire week Yes, and just watched nothing but basketball. Yes, And I wrote a piece for theringer.com.com.com.com dot com, dot com, dot com. Uh, on Monday where I kind of basically the powers that be at the ringer came mm. to me and said, you, we want you to write something about this week. There, I feel like there's been stuff going on. You should cover Illuminati. some of this stuff. Yeah. Mm. And I said, honestly, I don't even know where to start because this has been the most insane week. I've ever seen of college basketball. So I wrote this piece about how I felt like college basketball, we finally have like a thing. We have something that we have this moment of time other than March Madness where we can point to and be like, this is our time in the sports world. And I felt like that happened Thanksgiving week where usually when I go home for Thanksgiving, I'll I'll like pick and choose some Maui Invitational games. I'll pick and choose some Battle for Atlantis games. If if there's a if there's like a team that I kind of care about is playing like maybe another ranked team like I'll throw that on, but it doesn't really feel like an event. It doesn't really feel like the entire world is focusing on college basketball. And I'm maybe that wasn't the case this year. Maybe I'm living in my own little bubble. But I felt like this year because of the PK80, there was finally like a thing. Like this was it. This is and and I wrote in the piece like this is the template for for me. If I'm in charge of college basketball, this is what I do moving forward is I say we finally figured this out where every other league has like this holiday where like the NBA gets Christmas. Yeah. They own Christmas. Uh, 
MLB gets Memorial Day and the Fourth of July. That's their holidays. NFL gets Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and and college basketball like kind of tries to compete with Thanksgiving. And I thought this year, instead of trying to compete with Thanksgiving Day, we just blew it up and said, let's just own the whole week. Let's just make like this whole week. Every people are going to take work off because it's Thanksgiving, and you might as well take the first three days off because you're getting the second two off. So let's just take the whole week. Let's just show games all day, every day. And you got the PK-80. There's insane games every single day. And I felt like something was happening. There's like a, a special... Would, would you agree with this? Yeah, they call it the zeitgeist. And if you're at... The zeitgeist. <laughs> and if you're on the East Coast, right, and you're, oh, and, and you're after, you know, your late night Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, your Friday night after going to see friends or whatever it was, you would get home and it's 11 o'clock. And usually, I mean, at least for me, I was in this weird period where it's like, I guess I could just go to sleep. But then... Oh my God, Florida! You know yeah, it's playing right now. They're like, tipping off at midnight. Yeah. It's like twelve thirty in the morning. So I just yeah. got to stay up and watch all these great basketball games. And I felt like I was one of the few people up in the world, and the only people that were it's up amazing. were other college basketball fans. So you know, on Twitter, tweeting stupid right. stuff, uh, getting to watch Dan Dockage call his son's games. You know, oh talk about how great his son was. He had six points. So, he was the player of the game. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna unpack all of all of what's happened. Um, but that yeah, like what you said, kind of. It felt like March Madness. If it we're just being never honest. stopped. It never Every stopped. single time that I didn't think there was a real game, I thought it was a, a rerun of a game. And even Arizona playing NC State, there were so many games that that game wasn't even on television. Right. I had to watch yeah. it on Watch ESPN on my phone in my lap and see Kevin Keats Th- think that he had the greatest upset of all time and realize that realized Arizona is who we thought they were. It got devalued. Or who we didn't think they yeah, were. They were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it was you, you. You do the thing where you're flipping back through games, and and I the, the point I made in the piece is like there was some sort of like inertia at work where. Once you start watching so many games, it makes you want to watch even more games. And like mm. this momentum builds where like by Friday, I just I I just wanted to just permanently sit on the couch all day and not move and just wait as soon as I woke up, I walked straight to the couch and I just sat there until like two thirty in the morning. And like that was that was the greatest day of my life. It kinda and, reminded me, like as Bill Walton said, about the the amount of hot springs that are all in Portland, you know? <laughs> it just all like sort of all culminated at once and just, you know, blew up so, at the same time. Speaking of blowing up, there so because there are so many games and there's so many good games, uh, the, the the way you can tell that there are a bunch of good games going on is when every single game you're watching, the announcers say it feels like an NCAA tournament game. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ooh, neutral floor. Uh, this this feels like a 14 versus three first round game here. Bill, I don't know about you, but this feels like March to me. It feels that, like the- March. It's not, folks, check your calendar. It says November. You're not going to believe it because it feels like March. This feel this feel this game right here. This feels like an elite eight game being played in St. Louis, Missouri, mm. at, at six thirty p.m. That's how this game right here mm. feels. You get those uh, super specific, um, and everybody knows what that feels like. Yes. Everybody knows what a this feels like. A twelve seed just won two games, and now they're in the Sweet Sixteen, and now they're playing. <laughs> I'm probably dragging this on too far, but you get the idea. That happened a lot. Uh, there were a ton of great games. So my question to you, Tate: We have a ton to get to today. Where do you want to start? What if I were to ask you? Don't I don't want you to think about it too much. Just initial reaction. If I was to say like, what's the one thing? Tell me one thing that happened in college basketball last week. Ready, go. Atlantis. Atlantis. Atlantis is, Atlantis is back. Arizona, like the whole event. Or the saying- whole event. Everything in Atlantis was interesting to me. The seventh place game was between the two teams in this tournament outside of Villanova. Villanova is obviously we go to this tournament. It we works. expect Villanova to play Arizona, mm-hmm. and we end up the seventh place game in Atlantis at, at the Bad Boy Mowing Atlantis bad tournament bo- battle for Atlantis. And shout out to Bad Boy Mowers. They will be sponsoring this podcast yeah. at some point. We're the bad boys of college basketball. We love Bad Boy Mowers. Uh, 
They have the seventh place game, Purdue, placing a, de- a completely dejected Arizona team yep. that did not even want to show up to the ballroom that night. There were no fans in the stands. It's, but the whole Atlantis experience, it, it was like a lost city. There were no fans for the NC State game. It's like, I don't understand what was going on, but the intrigue that I had throughout the whole time, and I think most people would say it was the Phil Knight tournament just because right. of the amount of games. But Atlantis really struck a chord with me, and I, and, it, and I just threw it out there because it's the first thing that hit no, me. No, that's in my fine. Mind. That was that was the whole point of the exercise. So what what sticks out to me about Atlantis is that nobody cares about Villanova. Yes, rolling, and that is like <laughs> no the most Villanova thing that could have possibly happened. Is is that they just completely destroyed everybody mm-hmm. on the path to Atlantis? They they might be the best team in the country, and that sounds absurd given what we've seen from Duke so far. Mark Titus, they are the best team but in the that, country. Like Villanova is very very good. They yes. just won a national title. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how they keep flying under the radar. This keeps happening, and you still have. I, I, I don't understand. They have a. Fir- they're led by a first team All American. They're led by. Like, they got Mikel Bridges, who might be a lottery pick. So you talk about that national championship game, and you're and you're saying to yourself, but those guys aren't on the team. Like, where is Chris Jenkins? You know, where is Etchefu? And I'll tell you this: Brunson, Bridges, mm-hmm. Booth. You talk about big baller brand, the Triple B. That's the three that's Bs three right B. there, because mm-hmm. that's that's who won them that title that year anyway. And they're all back on this well, team. Yes, in the well, national championship game, that's well, who won them the game. You might you might be surprised to hear this, Tate. Villanova played other games that season other than beating North Carolina in the championship. Well, that game. was the most important game, and they all showed up. And Omari Spellman is a five-star guy. I didn't Great. know how good he was going to be. Obviously, Jay Wright loves him. He mm-hmm. believes that he can actually play with the big boys. And I was worried, like, when you watch a Michigan State team and you see, like, Nick Ward in this front line. But Villanova can match that, I think. And Bridges is unbelievable in the perimeter. I don't know. I I, I watch Villanova, and I would They're never. Incredible. I would not want to play Villanova. They're incredible. It's it's in and the way again. Like I was excited for Atlantis too because I saw Villanova might have to play Purdue and Arizona. Like this is this is awesome. Villanova is going to finally get their <laughs> moment in the sun where like they're playing in primetime games that every the whole country's watching, and then they played Northern Iowa and. And that was it. And like no one really cared. No one watched. And they just womp womp. Yeah, that's like how Villanova operates, though. They're gonna do it because they're gonna play in the Big East. They're gonna play on Fox Sports One all year. No one watches Fox Sports One. There's no. I love Big East basketball. I get mm. accused of of being having some sort of slight against the Big East. I do not. I I love watching the games. The problem is, I like every other person in this country. When I want to watch basketball, I just turn my TV on to ESPN, and if there's a game on, I just leave it there, and I don't even think about Fox Sports One. I'm sorry, Big East fans. That's just kind of how it works. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at be mad at the TV contract right. that, that you guys right. signed. Figure out a way to get on ESPN. So anyway, Villanova wins the the battle for Atlantis, but the big story be- is not Villanova. The no. big story is Kevin Keats. <laughs> Kevin- <laughs> we love Kevin Keats. Tate and I. If if you're a new listener, last year. Uh, Kevin Keats, when he was doing well in NC Wilmington. He was the probably one of the top good guys in college basketball. He was a very good guy. And what happened was uh, the media knew that he was like a rising coach, but mm. nobody knew like anything, sub- any substantial piece of information All about him. All they had on Kevin Keats was he's a Patino guy. He's a Patino mm-hmm. disciple, I should say. Not a guy. He's a disciple. There are guys at Kentucky disciples at Louisville. He was a disciple of Patino. He recruited some of the guys that win that 2013 title, which is now redacted, obviously, oh. probably at some point. But that's all they had on him. They, yeah. they, they didn't know where he played. They didn't know who he knew other than Rick Patino. And now, weirdly enough, they never bring that up. They, they didn't know any. <laughs> yeah, right. They didn't know any of his accomplishments that he had as a coach. Like, what did he had ever done at UNC Wilmington? So the move was 
we we see that everyone else on the internet is saying he's a good coach. Mm. So I'm just going to say I like him. I don't know anything about him, but I like him. I don't know, and guys. So, I like this Keats guy. I like That's this pretty Keats much guy. it. So that, that, that kind of became like a thing, and then Tate and I kind of beat into the ground. So if you hear us saying, yeah, we love Kevin Keats, and then we don't really offer anything else, it's a joke. It's We're, we're making fun of anything. But, uh, but I do love Kevin so Keats. So Kevin Keats, North Carolina State beats Arizona. Huge win for Pac Pride. Mm. They are going nuts. Braxton Beverly just got reinstated. Mike, I, I love him, by the way. Th- Thad, you, you should have said the saddest story is watching Braxton Beverly play well because I, what I, Thad Mata loved that guy. He, for like two or three years, I would talk to Thad and be like, what, what do we got? Like, we need some better recruits. What, what do we got in the pipeline? He's like, I got a guy for you. I found a diamond in the rough. This Braxton Beverly kid. He goes, he walks in here, you'll think he's a manager. You won't even look at him twice. But I, I swear to God, this guy's Steve Nash. And I was like, what? <laughs> Seems a little strong there, Coach. But uh, he loved him to death. And he always talked about how much he loved My him. My favorite thing about Braxton Beverly is that he has this amazing tattoo on his left arm. Yeah. So, like, at least he got something before he left Ohio State. He got his tattoo for free oh! before he left. And then and then he left Ohio State, goes to NC State. The NCAA is holding him back. So he becomes, like, this victim. And then they finally re- – the NCAA was like, oh, we just lost the paperwork. Yeah, we now we're going to reinstate him. And now he's playing – and he is the perfect number 10 point guard for NC State for people that don't know, like Javi Gonzalez and all these old guys that used to play for them. And if you don't know these people, I obviously understand these are NC State players. But Braxton Beverly is so perfect for NC State. It made me so happy. He has an amazing game. He has 20 points. What, 22 points? 20 yeah, points, whatever killing. it was. He didn't, I mean, he just dominated the whole game. NC State is at the top of the mountain. They're going to play Carolina in football the next day. They're going to win that game, obviously. They're just talking all types of about how they're going to be a top 25 team, team and then it all happens. And, 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 and then the very next day they lose, and that's, that's the NC State way. Yeah, that's the NC State way. So that was, I don't know. God, God love the Pack Pride people. But, I really um, thought Kevin Keats was going to break the curse of NC State, which is like you do this amazing thing, and then you completely fall back to earth. And I was like, oh, my God, Keats is going to do something Arizona. different here. He's, he's a different kind of coach. But he belongs at NC State. We didn't know. But now we know. That is the perfect NC State storyline is to think you've pulled off this massive upset that people are going to be talking about all year. And then we come to find out that Arizona just actually isn't that good. Mm -hmm. And NC State isn't that good. And that game ultimately, like three months from now, no one will give a shit about that game. There's a potential. I actually think Arizona. We're going to get to Arizona in a second. But let's just finish our thoughts on NC State. I, I actually think Arizona is going to going to be fine. It's but, going to be a resume booster but, at the end of the season. NC State's going to bring it up a lot. But I think what's going to happen is the committee is going to have watched that team, know that Hawkins didn't play, yeah. and not put too much. You know, they're not going to put too much stake in the fact that they lost that game. So let's get into our good guy, bad guy of the week. Our, our good f- guy, bad guy. Our favorite segment. Mm-hmm. It's a segment that's sweeping the nation. Um, if we're going to talk about Arizona, spoiler alert. Mm. Sean Miller is going to be one of these names mentioned. Um, so I got we got a ton of complaints from people about good guy, bad guy, because they don't understand the segment. <laughs> I had a guy. <laughs> Which is, that's on you. Do your research. Do your homework. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit on that. But I had a guy, I forget what he said to me. He's like, I'm a rabbi and a PA, I have a PhD, and I still don't understand what you're talking about when you say good guys. Maybe not guys. our target audience. Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> so I thank you, rabbi. Um <laughs> Shalom. Is that what they say? I don't know. Get your congregation to subscribe and leave five star reviews, please. <laughs> yes. Um so we'll explain it to people that don't that don't remember. Good guy, and we saw this a lot with football this year, because like the football season for the teams that suck, there's the college football, their season's over. This is what they call coaching carousel season. Yeah, it's for coaching college football. Car- yeah, for football. And what happens is is the media they become the, the college media, especially. They become really close with these coaches because mm-hmm. it's not like NFL and NBA and the, and basically all the pro sports where the you you get access. Even if, you could like 
you know, write a ton of bad stuff about the coach and still get access, still get to be able to interview. They still give you a press pass. You write bad stuff about coaches in college, they just cut your access. You're out of a job. So what happens is the media kind of figures out a way to, like— You have to finagle. Yeah, you be very finesse with how you say, like, this guy sucks at coaching. He's not a good coach at all, but— You have to have a butt, and yeah, always. Like, you always, always be like, Roy Williams has had the worst start that he's had in his career, but things but, are looking up. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's how you have to frame everything. So what ends up happening is, and we're seeing this a lot with these football coaches, is you just say he's a very good guy. Mm-hmm. And we saw, we even saw it with uh, the Michigan-Ohio State game. I saw this. Michigan's quarterback, John O'Corn, had like an awful game, and so many Michigan fans wanted to like, kill the guy. And Ohio State fans were like, thank you so much for John O'Corn. He won us that game. Um, and then I saw a lot of people. Where's Tate Forcier when you need him? The backlash to the backlash became, listen, guys, John O'Corn is a great kid. He's a great kid. He's going places. And and you read that, and all all it's basically saying is like, yeah, we agree, he sucks at football. But, we know he's bad, yeah. but he's a good. So that's the that's the idea of the good guy is that the coach is. We don't want to talk about hot seat. We're not going to say that coaches deserve to be fired. Tate and I take our jobs very seriously as college basketball media, but coaches do deserve to be called out. So the way we're going to do it is we're just going to say the coach is a very good guy, and that's that's sometimes the, a great that's guy. the segment. And the bad guy, if you don't know what the bad guy is, you're listening to the wrong podcast because dropping the bag is like our thing at this point. That's that's our brand at this point. If we're being yes. honest, and if you're so, a duffel bag company, my god, get yeah, in on no this. No kidding. Holy what are you shit! Doing? Like can we. Black Friday duffel bag sale for one like a one shining podcast. Black Friday duffel bag would have oh my god that would have been insane. Next year we'll we'll, we'll get them next year when we, we we'll change our name again. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Try to get next back to T. So that's the segment. Uh, good guy, bad guy, and our good guy. Spoiler alert: Sean Miller was a very very. He, I, I'm going to say it. He was a great man this week. He was like he did a lot of great things for the community. Uh, he him and his wife have have been nothing but excellent citizens of Tucson these past week or so. Would you agree? Is there is there a better guy out there for you? He battled week? through adversity. His team didn't show up, and he just fought through it. He kept them there. He kept them playing. They were in the seventh-place game, and he still Listen, tried to get his team to fight through it. The, and that's, that's what a good guy does. You know, He doesn't give up on his team, and he lets them know that, yes, this is a, a, a teachable moment. A lot of teachable moments this weekend for, for Arizona. And, you know, I think yeah. the main thing that he did was he came out and he said, look— this may not be the team that we thought that we had here, but we're going to figure this thing out, you know, because that's yeah. what a good guy does. He it's offers solutions to it a is, problem. It is kind of absurd to me that people were I'm, – so I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this because you, you have to be, like, extreme with this stuff. You have to be on one side or the other, and I, I try not to do that. Um, I, but it, it, it seems say, insane to me that people are, like, saying he's a, a shitty coach because of these three games. I mean, I think it's just like – I. And I will say this: I don't think it's just these three games that make that can right. make the case for gonna, him being a. Coach. I was going to say that. I was oh, bleep that, that, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> the Dean Smith of podcasting let one slip. I, w- I was going to say that, like, it, it, it's basically just the Final Four, the the lead eight hitting stonewalling with the lead eight, and people are getting frustrated in Tucson, and they think this was the year. This has to be the year. We got the FBI investigation looming. We got the most talented team. Everyone's talking about how this is the most talented team. Arizona may have ever had in the history of the program. Um, and then you lose three straight the first time you come up against any sort of With Shaq in attendance, with yeah, his with son. Yeah, with Shaq in attendance, yeah. We're future top five recruit. But a few things to keep in mind. One, Raleigh Hawkins is not, is, is he matters. He's going to, like, so the problems with Arizona are they, they can't play defense for shit, and they have no point guard. 
And Raleigh and Trier Hawkins, has have he's basically having to be a scoring guard and also the point yeah. guard de facto. Raleigh Hawkins is not going to play point guard, but he sort of helps. He's certainly going to help with the defense, and he's going to help with like the ball handling. And he's the another play threat making. on yeah, the perimeter. Yeah, because yeah, Parker Jackson Cartwright, I mean, he's not bad, but you can't you're not winning a national title with him as your like lead guard running the offense and running the stuff through him. So um, they have some things to figure out. Aiden is still a monster. Trier can still play. Mm-hmm. They still have a ton of talent. So th- this idea that Arizona was overrated and people, this is like, this is proof positive that preseason polls are stupid. How can you have the number two team in the country lose three straight and now they're not even ranked? And this is just further proof that we shouldn't even bother with preseason polls. And and one, I agree, preseason polls are stupid. We shouldn't have them. But this doesn't mean Arizona is overrated. This means that they just played like hell, like shit for three games in a row. And And by the way, like the tournament setting... By playing day after day after day, you don't have time to fix this stuff. If this is if they play NC State on a Tuesday and then they play SMU on the Friday, maybe they do stuff in practice and kind of like tweet like iron out the kinks. They didn't have that luxury. You have a young team. It's like bam, bam, bam. And Atlantis is a very isolated, like it's it's its own thing. Like when you're in Atlantis, like we've seen weird stuff happen. Obviously, Baylor looked like the best team in the country last year when they went right. there. They just beat the hell out of everybody. They literally play this in a ballroom. Yeah. It's a very small setting. It's weird with the way that you shoot a basketball. It's hard to get adjusted. Like there's so many factors in the Bahamas. And then when you leave, you're basically either in a casino or by a pool or on a beach. It's hard to get guys to like focus yeah. back in when it's, you're like in, in this beautiful paradise and they don't want to go to practice and try to work this stuff dude, out. They're already frustrated. It's just like The Bachelor, the show. Well, you, you, you have these people that go to an exotic location, they fall in love, you think this is going to be our life for the rest of our life, and then you go back home and you realize, wait, this isn't our life. Yeah. The same thing is true with this. You go to the Bahamas, you're like, oh, oh, we're actually a good, oh, NC State, you're like, oh, we're actually a good basketball team. And Purdue and Arizona, you're like, oh, they actually suck. That's not the case. They just had like a bad week in the Bahamas. Who knows what the hell happened? And meanwhile, the they're ad- go back home. And the advocate invitation was more like Survivor. You just like, <laughs> you just go down there and you hope to God they have food to eat or something. That's yeah. the uh, the Cayman Islands Classic. Did you see that story? What happened the, with that? The, uh, I, I read this on the Cincinnati. Some some uh, Cincinnati fan wrote like a, a thing about how the Cayman Islands. Cincinnati was like the only relevant team that played in this thing, and they, it was basically like the fire festival of <laughs> college basketball tournaments. Like it was put together by just like. Like six people, like like you. Basically, you and I could make a Thanksgiving tournament. Is what I learned based on the Cayman. One Island. shining tournament yeah. coming to you in the One fall. Side, it's just like yeah, let's just uh, let's just put a tournament together. They had like the locker rooms were outside in a tent. <laughs> I swear to God, the and like the the TVs were like it looked like a. You, you remember Shaq at the uh, the slam dunk contest in like two thousand one where he filming had like everything. The, the yeah. enormous hand. Like that's what I felt like they were filming the, these games on. So uh, anyway, I think Arizona is ultimately going to be fine. Certainly, this is this is not me saying that like you shouldn't judge them for this like they should be judged this was very very bad but if you're sitting there saying well we don't have to worry about Arizona the rest like if you're a Pac-12 school and you're like oh well I guess Arizona is not going to be in the running the Pac-12 I think they're going to be in the running are you talking to Bobby Hurley right now is this a direct yeah, message to Bobby Hurley true. we should re- we should talk we about had Arizona so State. many Arizona State people reach out mm-hmm. to us and say guess who the best team in Arizona is now big winner of the week is Arizona State Bobby Hurley who, who would have possibly thought that before December first hit, Arizona State would be ranked higher than Arizona, and undefeated. And undefeated. If you just came in and walked in the room and said, "There's a team in Arizona that's gonna be undefeated once we hit December," everyone's like, "I mean, of course, Arizona. What an idiot! Why? Why are you idiot. here? Why are stu- you- I would yeah. say, "Hey, hey, guy, what a stupid question! Get out of my face with stupid questions." Yeah, and move and then, on with your life, nerd. Yeah. yeah. Bobby Hurley said, "That's us. That's us. That's on yeah. us." He's trying to get that Duke job. 
I'll be honest. I've been watching Arizona State game there. I watched one half, and it was. They beat they beat Xavier. They they hung 102 points on Xavier. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, tune we're into kidding Arizona State. Arizona State. We're, we're gonna watch it. Yeah. But this is how we're. I mean, there's there's too much going on. This was a this is a hectic week. We we have our eye on you. We, we're doing like we did with Virginia. Where last week we kind of mm. said we got our eye on Virginia, and then you know what? Tate and I actually watched Virginia this week, and we're gonna get to Virginia in a second. But uh, we're gonna do the same with Arizona State. We'll we'll we'll, we'll check you out. But uh, Arizona's gonna be fine. Do you agree with that or no? I do. You think they're still like like they're still going to get like at least a three seed? I think in the NCAA tournament. I think the only way. So, my whole thing on the FBI and any investigation in general: if you are a perennial contender for a title, you're untouchable in the moment. Yeah. If you slip, then you become more touchable, and you become more like yeah. you're more privy to something bad happening with the FBI jumping in early. So if they yeah. if they go on a slide. We're going to hit it's, January, and the FBI is going to be on campus, and they're going to be interviewing people. Ooh. But if they're still in contention and they're playing these games out and Aiden looks really good, then I think they're going to be fine for the season. But that, that's that's the only way that I think this really goes off that's the rails. That's an interesting theory. Is that they're just walking this tightrope, and they could hit this point of no return, where if you get bad enough— And the players the start, turning, yeah, they yeah. start turning on Sean Miller, yeah. and they're like— well, I mean, he did help me get this bag yeah. and then, you know, get a little rat in there. Interesting. I don't know. I got another good guy that needs to be mentioned, and it really mm. it, it kills me to say this. I don't want to say this. I like it. He is actually a good guy. He's a good guy, friend of the program. But Chris Holtman against, against Butler, Ohio State, I, I, I believe in Chris Holtman. I'm willing to give Chris Holtman time. Um, I'm, I obviously have very strong loyalties at Thad Mata. This isn't one of those situations. As much as the, so, the move. So, a little context: Ohio State had a 15-point lead with three minutes and 45 seconds left on Butler, and they lost in overtime. And the reason I bring up Chris Holman is, it, it it sort of felt like he Chris Holman. For those who don't know, left Butler six months ago to take the Ohio State job after Thad Mod was fired. Sort and, of on a whim. Yeah, it was sort of like because Thad was fired so late that. No one would have anticipated this job opening, and it, and you could tell. Like I've talked to Holman about this, he's like it, he struggled with the decision because he was, you know, he didn't have time to to sort of think. There's like, this big story how yeah. he called Mark Few to make sure that it was like he didn't know Mark Few that well, but he wanted to know like if you leave a program that's small right. and, a, and a family, like how you would feel doing well, that. To what that happens program. is when these guys do this, they give it thought. They mm-hmm. actually like think they're so they realize like okay, this is the year I'm leaving. So like you you think months in advance, and then you win a couple NCAA tournament games, and you're like. I'm gone. This was always the plan. And with Holtman, it wasn't that. It was just like this thing fell onto his lap. Should I do it? Should I not? Anyway, he he takes the Ohio State job and immediately has to play Butler, which is and and what was so amazing is that I, I I just explained this to our listeners, Tate, and they don't understand it because the only way to explain stuff in sports, the only way guys can understand how what's going on here is if you put it in terms of women. That's the only mm. way that they and we saw a lot of that. We saw a lot of like so here's the deal. Chris Holman's coaching against his former team. And you're like, what? What does that mean? And then they How's go, feel about think about this. Say you were dating a girl, right? Mm-hmm. Follow me. You break up with that girl. You start dating a new girl. And then you see your old girl at the restaurant. And then, oh, that makes total sense now. Great point, Mark That's Titus. a great point, is it? <laughs> I love that. I love that this is a thing that people do. I don't th- th- that shit cracks me up every time I see it where it's like Kevin Durant is playing the Thunder. Ooh, this is like this is like if you were married. Ex-lovers. And then you yeah. got divorced, mm. but you were like cheating on your wife the whole time, but you still love her, but she's with a new man, but she still loves you, and now you're seeing each other at the restaurant 
and it's what's gonna happen. It's kind of like if you're a contestant on The Bachelor and they bring your like ex girlfriend to the date yeah, and she yeah. like has all this old shit on you and you're like, oh, Kyle bleep that. And and <laughs> and they and then you know that's how they would explain. A lot that. of Bachelor talk. I just thought it was today. hilarious to bring. Yeah. It. I just can't believe you did it, so well, I wanted to bring it up so, too. It's so funny that like people people cannot understand how humans interact and like what em, emotions that humans feel unless it's put in the context of a relationship with a woman. And because we're we're dumb sports fans, so we need this. So anyway, Chris Holt. Man, um, I just I just felt like Tate like I, I don't think he was actively trying to lose. I don't think he was sabotaging Ohio State. I thought as the wheels were falling off in those final four minutes, he kind of like thought I don't want to step on. Like there was a moment where he could have sort of stepped on Butler's neck and just destroyed them. We're up fifteen with four minutes left. He froze, and he was just like. I would rather just step back and just kind of see what happens. And what happens is his team just shot themselves in the foot. As someone that has witnessed this personally, and I've been victimized by this, the feelings for a former team and a former program that you have close connections to with Roy Williams yeah. and what he does. I don't with, understand. Put this in context of like women. I want to put it in context of North Carolina <laughs> basketball. Uh, Roy Williams, whenever he plays Kansas, I mean, 2008 is a great example of this. He has this weird, like, I'm not coaching because I have so much emotion that I don't know what to do with it. And Chris Holtman, before the game, showed all the signs of that, saying, I'm not looking forward to facing Butler. He was pretty mad. He came out before the game. He's like, I don't want to face Butler. I know these guys. You know, he was I, crying. Yeah, he, he was literally. He had tears forming. That's eyes exactly about, yeah. what Roy Williams does. Yeah. He, he does the whole crying thing, and he's like, "I love Kansas the same way that I love North Carolina." And that's how Chris Holtman was. He's like, "I love Butler basketball and everything it represents." Yeah. So I think in that moment, he has his lead. He uh, like I think he honestly felt a guilt right. to I, beat that's, Butler. That's exactly what I think. And happened. I think he froze, and that's what happens. That's what happens with and, these coaches that really care. And it, and it kills me to say it, but you know, I, I have to maintain my journalistic integrity. So. um Good we, we have to, we have to bring that up. That Chris Holman was was a nice guy and didn't want to. He might be a nice guy. Team. I wouldn't say he's good. He's guy. not a good guy. He's, he's a, nice a nice guy. guy. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. So, um, let's do a bad guy. Oh, a lot of people wanted Sean Miller to be the bad guy. They he, wanted because because Arizona obviously they got the FBI thing, and a lot of people are anxious for the first instance of a good guy, bad guy, being the exact same thing. Um, I don't I don't know. What are your thoughts? I will say I voted for Sean Miller to be the bad guy of the week. But we don't have any bags being dropped as of late. No, the, so the bags if, were dropped if, if a long Simi, time ago. If yeah. Simi, uh, Shitu, who, who committed to Vanderbilt, another great bag drop by our boy Bryce Giroux. If that had happened to Arizona, then maybe we come in and we give him mm-hmm. that honor. But he hasn't earned it. He'll he'll earn it later for sure. I think my bad guy of the week is Avery Johnson. I agree. Completely agree. Former coach of the Dallas Mavericks that made it to the finals for people that don't. People forget. Guy took a team to the finals in the NBA. Uh, he had something weird happen to him this week, and that's why he's a bad guy. He has a scuffle on the court. There were no there were no uh, punches thrown, but the Alabama, the players, they run onto the court to try to to try to get involved. But once you go on the court, they, you have to be thrown out of the game because you know right. play is happening. This is a college rule. So basically the whole team is thrown out. They have five guys, the guys that were on the court at the time. They have a foul out, and then they have an ankle injury. So now we're at three players on the court versus five, three on five. This is something that you do not see in college basketball. This is something that you barely see at YMCA basketball. Unbelievable. This is in primetime against Minnesota, and they have their number one bad guy, Mr. Colin Sexton, a guy that we didn't even think could play at one point this season because of the FBI implications with his bags. He comes out, drops 31 in the second half, basically – I think that they should play three on five. You know how we said the platoon system with Calipari? He needs the space. 
Like he he's a Malik Monk type where he's actually better when people are out of the way, like because he can go anywhere. When he was on the floor without the other people, the whole defense was shook because Colin Sexton was like, "I can go to that corner, I can go to this corner, I can go here on the elbow." Like there was no one clogging up any space for him. And one on it was basically one on five. I mean, honestly, and he dominated the game. Colin Sexton, you earned it. Avery Johnson, bad guy of the week. That was a good drop. That was a good drop of the bag. And to have two role players that can be out there with Sexton, and they almost won. They knew what the hell they were doing. They were like, they were, he has to shoot. So when I when I was on the bench at Ohio State, I knew of this rule. Very, this was beaten into my head that mm-hmm. if you run off the bench, you are going to be ejected. Like if fights break out. Luckily, I don't think I don't remember we ever had. We we had one. Evan Turner hit the shot to beat Michigan in the Big Ten tournament, and it was at the buzzer though. And the whole bench goes running off, and uh, I had security actually stop me and say because I I was hurt, so I was in street clothes, and I come running off the bench, and security like basically tries to tackle me and say like because they thought I was a fan that was running on the floor. That was really funny. <laughs> um, but I never had this. I never had this situation pop up, but I thought about it a lot because I remember mm. the 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 Suns and the Spurs game when. The, the the playoffs. I forget what year that was. You know what I'm talking about. When yeah, the, the no, sun, I was trying yeah. to think what year it was too. I, I I don't follow NBA enough to remember all the years. But yeah, when the Suns had the good team and they got submarine because they cleared the bench and so I, I thought about like these scenarios a lot. Like, what would I do if if our team got in a fight? Would I like back up my guys? Would I? Because I'm I'm an enormous pussy. This is well documented. I don't fight. Um, what would I do? I, thought I can about, spark a fight with commentary, but I I, I don't I right. need but then I need like Jack Soft to come behind me and really start throwing balls right. for me. Right. Yeah. I'll I'll start it. Let someone else finish it. Yeah. So I always thought like what would happen if these scenarios arose? And I got to be honest, I would have just sat there. But like at the same time, that would be my nightmare too. Is that I I sit there because I'm I'm too lazy to care. Like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even cheer when we would you know guys would dunk on people and like the rest of the bench is like doing the hold me back and I'm just like yeah cool cool dunk man um because i was way too cool to care well you're too fundamental yeah you were like yeah, can you like, just lay it in I was My like, God. you had an open guy in the corner pass it out to him uh so i probably i probably if it would have happened i would have stayed there because i would have been a too big of a pussy i would have like had this thing beaten into my head like never leave the bench for any reason but then as the bench starts running and i realize i'm standing there i would have done the mental math and realized all those guys are going to be ejected i'm still going to be here i got to go run out there and then who knows what the hell would have happened? Well, I didn't actually see the fight, by the way. I didn't see. I didn't see any of this. The I just fight heard about was it. nothing. There, there was no. There, like, there were no, no punches thrown, no nothing. But what happened oh, was, really? yeah, well, they were just like pushing back and forth. Uh-huh. And then the Alabama bench, like, they just, it was a unit. Like, I, I thought it. First of all, it demonstrated teamwork. That, 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 that was all, amazing. They were all on the same page. They were like, hold up, y'all are not messing with Colin Sexton. We dropped a lot of money that, for this guy, and they, and they ran out there and they were ready to roll. But they were all in unison because. But the thing is, it's a lose-lose situation. We saw Lonzo the other day when there was a fight, a Lonzo ball at the Lakers game. He just, like, walks away from it. That's what I would have done. Everyone's like, you're just going to leave your teammate there to get get kicked? And it's like, "Uh, yeah, because I don't want to be a part of a fight. But you still look like the bad guy. Not the bad guy, the bad guy. Yeah. And this whole t- the whole Alabama team got right on the floor, and then they were all thrown out. But the worst part about it is if you're going to go out there like that, make some noise. Yeah. yeah like, bring absolutely. the ruckus. Yeah. If you're going to go out if there, bring the ruckus. <laughs> like, the- don't, don't just step out there and, and walk back. Like, if I'm already out there, if I'm Avery, I'm like, y'all better do something. Earn that shit, dude. Yeah. If you're going to get ejected, earn it. Earn it. That's Earn not I, like, given. Like the, uh, Brad Calipari. Like John, uh, John Chaney, when he had the Temple guy go in and just like, he had his goons. Yeah. He said he brought his the goons clubber. in to just foul the hell out of people and, and try to hurt them. That's, Coach K did it for years. <laughs> he doesn't have that anymore. He's got five stars. <laughs> so I, I respect to Alabama's bench for like just, I guess, I, I, again, I didn't actually see it because it was not on. 
I, I, I forget what was happening. Like I, I remember I checked my Twitter after like an hour or something of not being online and it just like was blowing up with people like, are you seeing this? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm busy right now. With I will shout this but- out. My dad was the person that my dad's on his iPad sitting there just yeah. like watching all these games. And he's like, you seeing this? Alabama. So there's a scuffle going on. We like threw it up and we we're like watching it. And then it was three. And then we just kept watching it. It was like three on five. I, s- I assume Crazy. Minnesota. The reason Alabama started to come back is Minnesota was just like spooked at how wide open they were. Because there, there is a little, there is a little bit of that that goes on where I don't think people who watch basketball realize at that level when you're playing that you, you, you design all these plays, you design like kind of how you approach the game to just basically get open. Like that's what it's all about. I remember when I got to Ohio State, like like the whole hand down, man down thing that Mark Jackson always says. When I got to Ohio State, like I would have the coaches would yell at me because I wasn't shooting shots, and I was. I was like, well, the guy's right there. He's like, no, he's not. He's two feet off of you. You're open. And so that you kind of like learn these sayings that you get a beat in your head that you're you're just trying to like create that separation and get a shot off. So if you're playing five on three, as soon as you catch the ball and you're wide open, it's kind of hard to not shoot it because that's you spend so much time trying to figure out how to get open that that that's just kind of what the whole reason for playing basketball is so like if it happens that easily, you're probably that, that, I assume that's what happened. The Minnesota just started it was a pickup up. game. It yeah. became a pickup game, and Minnesota was still like even Patino was like trying to run plays. But yeah, it was so spread out. Like they were just sitting back. Basically, they just sat back and were like trying to protect the basket, like you would do if you were a man down in anything. But on offense, it was a show. I yeah. mean, if, if you if for people that didn't watch this, just go watch the highlights. You don't have to watch the whole game. Just type in Colin Sexton highlights in this game. The guy is just a playground. I mean, he's just playing playground basketball, pickup basketball. He has all the space in the world. He's hitting mid-range fadeaways, threes, taking it to the basket, laying it in. It, it to me, if I am an NBA team and I watch that, space is what matters in the NBA. That's the right. difference. You you try to find guys that can play in space. That's why Dennis Smith Jr. translates so well to the NBA. Colin Sexton is a top ten draft. He's legit. Take him. Sexton is the thing. I I saw that. Who did they play at home? I forget who they played. The game before, um, oh, it was Texas Arlington. Yeah, yeah, Texas yeah, Arlington. Yeah, yes. I, we were watching Texas. Ar- I was watching the Texas Arlington yes. game because we had just talked about how Texas Arlington beat BYU and how they give these teams great games when they go on the road. He had twenty nine so, in that yeah, game. He has twenty nine, and the way he took over that game was just like it. It, it was unlike anything. I don't know. It's it's it, it, the attitude. You, you always look for these guys that just like have the attitude of I'm here to kill everybody. I don't, I'm not here to make friends. I'm not a nice guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm your worst enemy, and I'm better than all of you, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to do it right now. And Colin Sexton had that attitude, and I loved it, and I'm I'm on the bandwagon. I'm 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 ready for it. So, congrats, to Avery Johnson, yeah. bad guy of the week, bad guy of the week. Um, oh, what about Kyle guy or Kyle guy of the week? Kyle guy of the week just happened. Kyle guy just took down Madison, Wisconsin, all by himself. Uh, he's got man bun's been cut, and I know everyone's talked about this. He looks good. I mean, him and Ty Jerome, they've really cleaned it up this year. There's no there's no fooling around with Tony Bennett. It's all defense. It's all business. It's all, if you want to beat Virginia, you got to score 50 points on him. I, and good luck. There is nothing, and this is going to sound sarcastic. We make a lot of jokes on the show. Um, you're you're going to think there's no way this can possibly be true, but I swear to God, this is 100% truth. There is nothing I enjoy more in college basketball than seeing a halftime score of a Virginia game mm. and seeing – a Virginia opponent not even have 20 points. That is like, that is absolutely amazing to me. I love it. Like, they completely broke Vanderbilt. They played Vanderbilt, I think, in Brooklyn. Uh, Virginia blows the hell out of Vanderbilt. 
they broke Wisconsin tonight. It was kind of a close game because Wisconsin and Virginia was always going to be like a race to 50. But Wisconsin finished with 37 points. They had 20 at halftime. They hit a shot with like a few seconds left to get to 20 at halftime. And you and I both just, oh, man, we thought we had it again. There's, you have to – like. I, I, I've done the whole the whole thing before where I've defended Virginia's style of play, and I actually find it awesome. And, and it's it's certainly not as fun. Like this, They have a very good team this year. It's not quite as fun as it was. Like in 2015, that 2015 Virginia team was as good as any team that in the country that year. And, and they got screwed in the tournament, which way they were yeah, ranked. Yeah. Yeah, they, they blew in the tournament, whatever. I don't care. I'll stand by that to my grade. Like they could actually play basketball, and they played it well. And I've, I've, I've fallen in love with Virginia ever since. And um, – I really, it's, it's amazing how they do this to the teams. They have a best duo in college basketball right now. I mean, these are two just white dudes that aren't just normal white dudes that you can just shoot. Like, yeah. they're just not, they're not quintessential. Like, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, they go ISO and they they're just so go to good. the basket. Yeah. I mean, they're, well, I mean, they're stars. It's like I said on the, the last pod we did where there's, there's almost something funny about this because the, the year before, these guys, are just doing their little role, picking their spots here and there, mm-hmm. and you think there's there's something funny about it for some reason. It's like because the way they get covered, everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, this is like these walk on yeah. types." And it's like, no, yeah. Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, they're 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 killers out there. They get buckets Kyle and they Guy, don't play around. Kyle Guy was he not a McDonald's All American? Yes, he was Indiana Mister Basketball. Yes. The guy can can flat out score. He's amazing. Uh, so he had 18 versus Vanderbilt. He had 17 tonight. We're taping this Monday night. We just got done watching the Virginia-Wisconsin game. He just dropped 17, which, like, when you score 18 and 17 at Virginia, that's, like, 40 mm-hmm. at other schools. Like, mm-hmm. that, like that's the equivalent of scoring 40 points at yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, when you're only going to score 53 points which, in the game. I, I just thought, I just said scoring 40 points at North Carolina. Should mm-hmm. we, uh... Should we transition to the sure. uh, speaking of for, speaking of scoring about, forty we can points? We talk about North the Carolina. Phil Knight Invitational. You can't put it off any longer, Tate. We got to do it. We got to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels being held to forty-five points, forty-five points against Michigan State, forty-five. And Michigan State, for those who don't pay a ton of attention, mm. Michigan State is a Big Ten team. <laughs> They're not a Big Ten team in that way, though. Michigan State gets up and down. They transition. North Carolina did not score forty-five points because they were being. Virginia, they scored forty-five points because they fucking sucked. <laughs> the Dean Smith the podcast will not respond to that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I will say this: North Carolina, the basketball team itself. We just talked about Virginia. People forget Mark Titus. North Carolina scored forty-three points at Virginia last year. Forty-three points. The year they won the national oh, here championship. Here we go. Oh my god. Here we go. Uh so that happened last year when North Carolina played Virginia. They scored they lost 53 to 43. They shot 27% that night. And I remember I left that game and I said, "My god, I'm so glad that we have inside bigs to make up for the fact that we are the worst shooting basketball team I've ever seen." And I never thought that I would ever see anything worse than that until I watched them play last night. And I will say this. I was watching with the whole group of North Carolina, my my friends that I live with, my roommates. We all went to North Carolina. We're watching the game before, and, like, I'm talking all this, you know, junk before the game. I'm like, Luke May's up for National Player of the Year. He's third in PER. Kenny Williams is unstoppable. We always dominate Michigan State. This is this is like nothing to us. This is going to be another day for Izzo. I see Izzo come out. He's wearing this stupid hood. The hoodie. I'm, I'm yeah. like, oh my god, we're, this is going to be hilarious. I can't wait till Izzo puts that hood up and sews it tight so no one can see his face. He's so embarrassed by how bad we blow them out. Ball tips off. Nick Ward goes in the lane. He sees Garrison Brooks, freshman, 
and just bodies him, just punks him out of the way. Sean Mays the hell out of him. I mean, and I and this is the first time. What North Carolina has always done to Michigan State is they play the exact same way. It's an up-and-down transition game. But at the end of the day, North Carolina is usually more physical in the post and gets rebounds, and they win. Yeah. And the opposite happened last night. Michigan State did it to them. And I always joke about Josh Langford. I mean, his receding hairline makes me laugh. <laughs> and I just always make fun of him because he was the other five-star with Bridges and all this stuff. And it all came back to basically, yeah. I, t- I, it's on me, Titus. It's yeah. on me. I was talking all this junk before, and everything that I said would not happen happened. Nick Ward dominated <laughs> in the paint. Josh Langford lit him up from three, and Luke May and Kitty Williams look absolutely lost. And Cassius Winston dropping dimes wins the MVP yeah. of you and I both were. We did predict Cassius Winston we comeback. Were, yeah, we did do that. But we were, we were, you and I were both on the uh, hashtag fire Cassius uh, <laughs> movement after the Duke game. Um, which like I still think I, I, Tum Tum and Cassius is fun. I uh, yeah I like I like Sorry. I like Tum Tum to like Tum Tum doesn't do anything spectacular, but that, I don't know I'll, that's a whole other thing. Like I don't think this disproves my point that like Tum Tum serves a purpose when he's out there, but uh, Cassius definitely stepped up. I want to I want to talk about one thing with Michigan State though. We're talking about Nick Ward. Give him all the credit. Jaron Jackson. The length the length of Michigan State and the athleticism of Michigan State outmatched North Carolina, which. If Never you happens. told me I would say that in 2013, I would have laughed in your face. It's it, I said to you off air that that North Carolina every single time Michigan State plays North Carolina, Michigan State tries to out North Carolina, North Carolina. And that is never going to happen. Nobody can be North Carolina as good as North Carolina can be North Carolina. They they try to be they've always tried to like play that same exact style and it's never worked out for them. That's why Tom Izzo never beats Roy Williams. But the uh, the student has become the Matt. What's the saying? I, I don't remember. The he student, used to be a grasshopper, student, and now he's a sensei. Yeah, something like that. That's, yeah, whatever. I don't know. He's not the Karate Kid though. He's Tom Izzo, and Tom Izzo was just doing teachable things, working with the Tom team Izzo up. was doing Tom Izzo things. Is I that know what that's you're my say? favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite thing. Mark Tennis and I would joke about this a lot. One of the one of the best things in sports media right now is when you talk about someone, you say. Man, we, Luke May's just doing Luke May stuff. We said, we've said this on the pod before. We have. Yeah, Good. Yeah, people, I'm glad yeah, we put that out. Yeah. Uh, my my thing about uh, Miles Bridges, let's flip it. Let's flip it the other way. North Carolina shot program worst. There were guys in the 1920s, <laughs> and if you you know in the 1924 championship, we've talked about that before. There were guys in the 1920s that shot a better percentage. And this is like when when basketball wasn't a shot; it was a toss. It was a game of chance. Mm-hmm. It was a basket, and you just threw it up there and you hope it went in. They shot better than this team last night playing in Portland. 25% worse than program history, which is unfathomable. And still, North Carolina lost by 18. And I think the turnovers from Michigan State were poor. Theo Pinson dominated Miles Bridges when he, like, Miles Bridges guarded Theo Pinson at the three. I would be concerned. We talked about Miles Bridges being out of position. If Theo Pinson, who had his best game, 16 points, if he did that to Miles Bridges, there's a lot of people that are better than Theo Pinson that can do that to him. Theo Pinson is, yeah. He's, he's That's not, what I'm saying. He's not a great they're, they're, uh, Michigan me. State was yeah. very excited about this win last night. North Carolina could not have played worse, and they still only lost by 18. And when Michigan wait, State— Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm going to They only lost by 18? Well, do they we— They got their asses kicked from start it, to let's, finish. Let's put it in context. North Carolina in 2009 played Michigan State in the National Championship game. They won by 17. Right. So, and, and North Carolina in 2009 beat the shit out of Michigan State in the next. Exactly. I turned the game off at halftime. I just wanted you to say that. So, okay. Well, <laughs> the, the exact same feeling was it happened with this game where it was just like, I don't really know why I'm watching anymore because the only reason I was watching that game was because I knew Duke was about to play next. I never, I never felt like it was out of reach. Uh, 
until Theo Pinson took his 15th three of the night and bricked it. <laughs> and that's when I knew that's when I knew that it was completely over. So, North, by the way, North Carolina, the one three they hit was Joel Berry at the buzzer at halftime. They shot 5% like, from the three-point line the, for the game, one for 17. The one that they actually hit was like probably the hardest shot they took. All, like Berry was, he just sprints it up the floor and kind of throws it up from 30 feet. If If someone told me that they threw the game for Vegas last night, like if someone had gotten to the team, I would believe that. Like, if you told me before the game that they were going to shoot 25%, 5% from three, 58% from the free throw line, Luke May was going to be an absolutely, like, I don't know who he was. Yeah. Like, he looked like Luke May without the E. I don't know where he was. (laughs) And if you told me that before the game, I'd be like, someone got to them. Like, what happened? Are you saying Roy Williams is a good guy? Was a good guy that game? I'm saying Roy Williams is a mastermind because he could have made the adjustments, but he knows he's on national television. And there's more work to be done in March. So, Don't show your in hand. All, in all seriousness, are you worried at all? Because the no, not North Carolina has no scoring. They have Joel Berry if, until Cam Johnson comes back. Like who's going to score for them? Theo, Pin- if, if you're relying on Theo Pinson to be your scorer, you're in trouble. That's the problem. Theo he's Pinson, not the scorer. He's a glue guy. He's not an X factor. Yeah. We've established this. He's what, not. You don't want him to be your. X-factor. What's going to happen is Garrison Brooks and I don't like to pick on freshmen on this podcast. There's no way that guy should be starting on the North Carolina team. I know that he was a highly rated guy. He's not ready for it. They're gonna have to pull him out. Theo is gonna have to play just just Theo is gonna have to play the four for I, a little I while. Do get. And they're gonna have to put a big guy. It's gonna be one big guy, which is gonna be Luke May to start the game. Theo at the four, Kenny what at the three, put in another guard. I mean, it'll be Cam Johnson when he comes back at the three. And then it'll be uh you know, Joel and why I don't know, they'll do figure the, it out. Uh, why can't they do Manly at the five and May at the I four? I love Manly, but uh what's keeping them from doing that? I haven't watched him enough. It's funny, Titus. So <laughs> at North Carolina, you have to pass a, a conditioning test, and the guy's six yeah. eleven. He's actually like seven one. He's listed at six eleven. You have to run this this in twelve minutes. It's like this whole conditioning test, but you have to pass it and run it under twelve minutes. Yeah. All these teams have this, but Roy Williams, you know, in North Carolina, you got to pass the test before you get in my starting lineup. That's Are you Roy serious? Williams. Yes, so he cannot start because he cannot pass the conditioning he can't run test. A- Yes, what, what, a twelve-minute mile is that? What it's not a mile. No, it's not a twelve-minute mile. Say. It's it's longer than a mile, but it's a twelve-minute conditioning test, and you do all this other stuff in between. Um, I actually reached out because I want to race Sterling Manley in this twelve-minute test to see if I can actually oh complete God. it. We don't know. We're, it's, still TB, it's still TBD <laughs> if they'll let me race Sterling Manley. If you want to see me race Sterling Manley, please reach out to UNC basketball, and I, I'm trying to make that happen. We have to make this happen. Yeah, you, you race Sterling Manley, and, and oh my God, that'd be hilarious. that's what I want. That'd but so that's awesome. why I can't start. I I can't tell if you're being serious. I'm being that's dead really serious. the reason you can't start. Like the guy's a great basketball player, but you can't start because he doesn't. Re- I it's that's, sad. That's hilarious. Um. So, yeah, the Michigan State looked like a completely different team. They looked like a team that was ready. Like there was there was definitely a different approach to this game versus the Duke game. I f- I feel like they had came out with something to prove. They came out with with a fire. They and punked they, them. They punked them. They it wasn't just. And and what was encouraging was Miles Bridges was probably the fourth best player on the floor for Michigan State. We're going to talk best? about this later so, in the week about all these guys that were pinned to be the top of college now. basketball ring. And I'm going to talk about it. You don't want to be a part yeah, of this. I, I'm going to talk about it. Miles Bridges is still good. So Michigan State's back to being the team that we thought they might be. Uh, North Carolina. Nick Ward, player of the game. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm a little worried about North Carolina. I'll be honest. They're, they're, a little, they're young. They don't have a ton of scoring. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Get we'll Garrison see. Brooks out of there. We'll see. So, uh, let's talk about the team that we don't need to worry about: the Duke Blue Devils. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Florida. The, Florida looked very, very good, but then Duke Duke did Duke things. Tate. 
So Duke, Duke's PK-80 experience, they are losing to Portland State at halftime. They come back to win the game. Uh, they got into the bonus. They got into the double bonus like a minute and a half into the second half, I think. Uh, funny how that always works. At right, right at the end of the first half, Coach K is talking to the refs, and then they come out and come here, you little. That's what. <laughs> that's how he starts it. So Duke, Duke comes back, beats Portland State. They're down. I, I want to say sixteen in the second half against Texas mm-hmm. with like ten minutes or mm-hmm. so left. Come back to beat Texas in overtime. Shaka, not so smart. They are down seventeen. To Florida with like ten minutes left, come back to beat the Gators. Give me your thoughts on Duke, Tate. You always have thoughts on Duke. People tune into the podcast to hear Tate Frazier talk about Duke. Give me your thoughts on Duke, and we'll get to Florida in a second. But let's talk about Duke. Let's talk about Duke. Duke is a very they're disjointed. <laughs> they're disjointed, is what I would say. And and that's not to be unfair to Duke. I think that they have found a way. I've been impressed by the their ability to come back. I've been waiting for them to collapse. I've I've gone into every game thinking that Duke was going to fold, but Bagley is on another level. I mean, Bagley is getting double doubles. He's dominating games. I mean, he's like a freshman, unlike any freshman I've seen at Duke, maybe since I mean, I guess Okafor was like this, but it just feels like another level. I mean, even Coach K was saying he's a unique talent, and he very much so is because he has these post moves, but he's also a freak athlete. Like I'm, it's like Anthony Davis, but he's got. Yeah. I don't want to say he has better post moves than Anthony Davis, but in a weird uh, way, he kind of does. I don't. I don't. I, I, he's I, definitely more. I think he's definitely more skilled now than Anthony Davis was. Yeah. as a freshman, at Kentucky. he just has ball skills. He yeah. anticipates things. I think he is a scary force. Um, Grayson Allen is just. For whatever reason, he's always he's always there to do something for him to yeah. get the credit for it. But when I look at this team and I look at Trey Duvall, who's third in the country in assist, they have a legitimate point guard. When Duke has a legit point guard, I mean, you can go through the whole run of Duke basketball. When they have a guy like Bobby Hurley, they have a guy like Jay Williams, and just keep, Daniel, you just keep going on and on. Not Greg Paulus. They they can. They can do damage to anybody, and it's the way that K runs the system, and especially when they get teams in foul trouble, and that's what they do now. But I will say this. I'm tired of Kevin White's son, Mike White, who's the coach of Florida. Yeah. He Kevin White, for people that don't know, is the athletic director of Duke. Oh, if you watch the game, they talked about it. They, they did all the, the time, all the time. And I, we, Mike White somehow keeps playing Duke, and he keeps like folding under the pressure to his dad because he wants to appease Ooh. his dad to get this money for his father. Mike White, stand good up guy. to your dad. Come on. You're saying he's a good guy. Get a win. Uh, so Florida jumps out to a huge lead. Uh, Duke comes Florida's back. Florida's good. Florida is very good, and that's that's the frustrating I have, part. I have a very hot take, and I'm not ready to commit to it yet. I'm just ready to throw it out there for someone else to commit to it, and I'll probably I need to I need to see more from Florida first. But is Florida this year's version of UCLA Tate? And hmm. I say that. Just, I'm, I'm basing this pretty much just off this one game. I've seen Florida play other games, but this is like the one time that they actually played like a huge marquee game this season. They have the sexy offense, and it's not just that they score a ton. It's like how they, the confidence, the swagger, the the multiple guys, every single guy that sees the floor for Florida, they're out there to score, and they're they're not hesitating. If they're open, they're shooting it. They're not thinking twice about it. They have an incredibly loaded roster of, mm-hmm. of offensive players. Kevin, Kevon Allen, Chioza. Kolochev, I mean, yeah, yeah, list goes on. It becomes Hudson. kind of, it, yeah, Hudson might be the best. Uh, it becomes like intoxicating. Like you watch these guys, you're like, how is anybody ever going to beat this team? This is exactly what happened with UCLA last year. They go into Rupp Arena, beat Kentucky, and you're like, no one is touching this team. You can't stop them. They're insanely good. And then you forget that, one, they don't always play the greatest defense. Mm-hmm. 
Two, sometimes they miss shots. And when those two things happen at the same time, Duke erases 17-point deficits and comes back to win. And that's sort of my—that's the hot take I'm forming. I'm not ready to commit to it yet, but I feel it. I definitely got, like, a UCLA vibe from Florida where, like, they're really fun to watch. And listen, they are probably, at this point, to me, the most fun team in the country to watch. But is that good enough to win national championships? Is that good enough to, like, consistently— They look to me like an Elite Eight team. (laughs) And I, I mean, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. I mean, I, I think that I think they have all the pieces to get over the hump. But in that game, you could see them. I mean, as much as Chioza has done in big moments, obviously against Wisconsin, everyone remembers that. And he obviously, you know, had done it in the PK eighty. They, they, they tightened up. You yeah. know, at Duke, when Grace Down hit the Grace Down hit, hits a hit three to go, they were down six. Hits a three. I think it's eighty two seventy nine. Well, as soon as he hit that three, I said to myself. Duke's going to win this basketball right. game. Like it just, it just felt that way. And Florida just completely tightened up. And I mean, they tried. And I don't know. It, it seems to me like they didn't believe that they what were going to come through. What happens with these teams is college basketball for so many years, especially the, uh, we, we, I brought up the 2015 Virginia team earlier. That year in 2015, Virginia and Kentucky were breaking the game. Like mm-hmm. they, those defenses that year were insane. No one could score on them. It became unwatchable. And we had this unwatchable talk for those couple years. It's like, the sport is unwatchable. We can't have... We need free-flowing offense. Yeah, we can't have these yeah. two teams. The two of the best teams in the country are giving up 35 points a game. This is terrible for the sport. And then when UCLA comes along last year, like there was still that residual college basketball is unwatchable. Here comes UCLA. They're the saviors. This is watchable. This is what we've been waiting for all along. And you remember the, there's a reason that these coaches coach the way they do and they overcoach and they value possessions and they like take out guys when they take bad shots, and it's not the NBA. And the reason is because the players aren't as good as the NBA. And, and they're they trying can't, to win. They can't sustain that always. Mm-hmm. Like the NBA, Steph Curry can hit shots, fadeaways in the corner with the hand in his face. He can do that all night, every night, all season. You College guys can't do that. So like when they're hitting, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But that's the only style they know how to play. You run into problems. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's what just happened with Florida. I just got that vibe watching them against Duke that like that's something I'm – sort of worried about. And I, I would love to be proven wrong. I'm going to keep watching them. I'm not ready to... to I think the yeah. only thing that keeps them from being the UCLA is because they don't have the NBA, like the, the quintessential NBA. When people watched UCLA last year, all these NBA basketball fans came in to watch them. were like, yeah. this is fun basketball. Like, I can see Lonzo translating. I can see Leaf translating. I can, you know, and, right. like with this Florida team, like... I guess Hudson and, and Allen are the two guys that translate, but not even no. That's, yeah. that's the beauty of Florida. This is like a quintessential Florida situation where like they have a they a do have an elite eight team, yeah. and you don't know. There's not a single guy on this roster that NBA fans care about or ever will care about, but they're still going to win a ton of games. This, the SEC is amazing. We we kind of crapped on the whole SEC is great talk early in the season that everyone was pumping out. I'm going to walk back on that. The SEC does actually look good. And I I, I don't really think conferences are good in general. I, I, I still have, am of the opinion that the individual teams exist individually and, like, kind of saying this conference looks good doesn't really mean much because you got well, – Just think but, of it like this. I mean, think about the teams that we t- we've talked about a lot of teams. Like Texas A&M we've talked about a lot about. We've talked about right. Alabama tonight. we talked about Kentucky. we talked about Florida. That's kind of the point. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. you start running down the list of teams. we talked about Vanderbilt a lot. They're, they're grabbing headlines too. Like it used to just be the SEC. You would know I Kentucky, just, Florida. I hate the, I hate the conf- conference Georgia. talk when, like, uh, when, when LSU hears us talking about how good Florida is and they're like, oh, yeah, SEC. And it, like, it's, SEC. That, that doesn't mean anything SEC. for you, LSU. Florida playing well doesn't, do, doesn't mean jack for you. So anyway, the SEC does look good. Um, 
What else we got to talk about? We got to get through. Uh, how about Trey Young? Did you see that game against Oregon? Let's just talk about the fact that you, Trey Young looks like Titus Jones. Where's Titus Jones? T- looks like me. I wish there was a Titus Jones out there. Looks like Titus Jones. Where's Titus Jones's number? And I don't hate it. I don't hate the comparisons. But you know what? He's a whole lot better at basketball. The guy's averaging twenty eight point three points per game. He's got what nine point three assists per game. He's scored 43 points in a game against Oregon in this PK-80 tournament. He looks unstoppable. And my question to you, Titus, is why is he getting the bias of no one talking about him? Everyone everyone has marked him as like this small guard that doesn't deserve any of this attention, I guess. He's a McDonald's All-American. He dominated mm-hmm. in the McDonald's game. All these other players that are freshmen are like, you better watch out for Trey Young. Look out for Trey Young. Watch out for Trey Young. And now he's doing it. We're still not talking about him. So we need to pay homage to Trey Young. He looks he's, great. He's got to do it on a big. He's got to do it against Kansas. I mean, if we're being honest, yeah, it's got to happen against Kansas. It's got to be the Buddy Hill game at Allen Fieldhouse where Buddy. I want to say banked in the three to like send it to overtime mm-hmm. and. The 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 Kansas fans he he does the post game interview even though Kansas wins he does like a post game interview with ESPN and the Kansas fans all stuck around to like give him a standing ovation as he was walking off the floor hashtag classy um, that's what he's got to hit I mean if we're being honest like Oregon like the the PK eighty was sort of a big stage but it was the the losers bracket it wasn't like he's got to do it against a team that people are are into and are watching and yeah can we talk about Notre Dame real quick yeah yeah we didn't talk about Maui at all which kind of sends a sign to where Maui stands and all this. But Wichita State, all these people, I I said a lot about Wichita State not too long ago, and a lot of people were coming after me when Wichita Wichita State had this lead (laughs) in the first half. These people were tweeting at me, saying all how dumb I am. You don't know nothing about Wichita. You don't know about Wichita, Kansas. And, like, I mean, fair point. At this point, I felt very, uh, you know, out there on, on my own island. But Notre Dame basketball, Mike Bray does not get enough credit. I know he wears T-shirts when he when he's coaching Amazing. games, and, and you know a lot of people aren't turned on to that because it's not hashtag classy. But Notre Dame fights back in this game. Matty Farrell is just oh my god something else. The guy doesn't turn the ball over. He's not afraid of any shot. He makes it happen. Bonzi Colson gets big time rebounds. Like in college basketball, a lot of it comes down to rebounding. I know that's not sexy to say, but it is rebounding. Bonzi Colson just snatches balls out of the air. Matt Farrell takes big shots. Fluger does like all the trash work that you Dude, don't want to do. So Tate and I are on the committee. If there is, if, if that's even what we're calling it, uh, where we're there's there's a three on three tournament in college basketball this year that's happening at the Final Four. Who else is on the committee? It's me, you, you Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, uh, right. I don't know who else. <laughs> who cares? We're we're what's gonna happen if we get us all in a room together? Tate and I are just gonna flex our muscles and throw everyone up against the wall and say, "Listen here, <laughs> this is how we're gonna do it. Listen to us. We're the smart guys." Uh, so they're they're building these teams by conference is how mm-hmm. it's gonna work. I. The more I watch Notre Dame, the more I'm convinced the ACC's three-on-three team should just be Matt Farrell, Bonzi Colson, and Rex Fluger. That mm-hmm. should just be who the entire that should represent the entire ACC. Just put all three of those guys out there. And I think everyone in the ACC would be like, yeah, pretty good. That sounds that sounds pretty about right. Good. <laughs> Love Notre Dame. They're they're just as fun as I expected them to be. Um, Top I, five program. I feel like they're now yeah they're number five fifth. in the country. They got Michigan State coming up. Like I'm really worried about That's that. That's Thursday night for people that don't know Michigan State playing in the ACC Big T- Big Notre Ten Challenge. Notre Dame's going to Michigan State. I I. That's a game where Michigan State punks them in the post. Yeah, gonna, Bonzi's not big enough for that. I feel like rank fifth is a little high for Notre Dame, and I, I love them to death. But like they, they got the Maui bump. That's like an old media thing. Like the the Maui Invitational. If you win Maui, you get the huge bump. Mm-hmm. You, you always get 
But, I mean, as Tate and I have kind of talked about, Maui sort of loses – I'm not giving up on Maui. I'm not saying it's dying. I'm just saying in recent years it's sort of losing its luster. we got to figure out a way to bring that back. My so. favorite Notre Dame stat, and I don't like to be a stat heavy here, they turn the ball over in 12.8% of their possessions. That's incredible. Are you, Wait, what? Wait, what? It's insane. Um, so are you are you are you now done with Wichita State? Yes, I, I've never been. I've never been about it. I'm sorry, Wichita fans. So I know. you're not gonna watch like Wichita State, Cincinnati. You're not gonna watch. I mean, that's hilarious that you even asked that. No, oh my god, I would watch Cincinnati and play you know, play any team. You know, the mid major I am done with um, is St. Mary's. They the broke Gales? my heart. Yeah, I said I said St. Mary's would be the final undefeated team, not because I believed in them necessarily. It was more because their schedule was awful, mm. and I knew that they were pretty good. They lost to Washington State. Uh, Who's undefeated? Congrats yeah, to Washington State. Yeah, I guess, like as more time goes by, I guess that's not as. Wooden bad, classic winners. Washington State has been like the worst power conference team for the last three or four years. They've been terrible. Congrats even to Clay worse Thompson. than Pitt is this year, and and St. Mary's lost to them. So not only did St. Mary's blow their undefeated season that I thought they might have had a chance at, they lost to, to Washington. And State they also right? lost to Yante Maiden. And yes, I did pronounce that Yante <laughs> Maiden. Uh, oh, the, the Georgia Bulldogs, dude. Before before we wrap this up. Michael Porter Jr. news. We didn't even get to that. Play the music. The Michael Porter mystery, Michael Porter Jr. mystery, we should say, is back. Uh, Mark Titus, what have you found? You, you've been, you're like, a, we're like the Hardy Boys. We're just trying to find clues and figure this thing out. So the news is Michael Porter Jr. has a slip disc. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I, it, it's, it's the best injury in sports because the, the announcers are always going to say slip dick. Um, I, I, I thought you just said that. And it's I was the like, greatest thing. We're I gonna, was like, no wonder he's a five star, <laughs> blue chipper. Uh, he, he, something happened. He had he had spine surgery. That sounds pretty serious, Tate. Surgery on your spine. Um, not something I necessarily want to mess with. But mm. so he's he's been announced. He's going to be out for the year. So you and I were doing the bag dropping jokes. We're saying. The whole reason he's sitting out, the whole reason that there's a mystery around his injury. We're getting is called because, classless by the Missouri yes, fans. Missouri fans are grilling us. We thought there was maybe some FBI stuff going on. Maybe they're keeping him out, kind of making up. Is it his hip? Is it his leg? Is it his back? Is it his back? No mm. one knows. No one knows. And Tate and I were saying, listen, we're not saying. We're just saying. Maybe it's this. Maybe. Yeah. Missouri comes out and says, hey, One Shining Podcast. It's not a bag drop. It's a guy with the slip slip disc. He needs he needs surgery. Uh, probably maybe the bag was a little too heavy, Tate, when he was picking it up. I don't mm. know, but uh, come to find out, he actually does have a serious injury, or, or does, does he? he? Because the mystery continues, folks. Michael Porter Jr. was supposed to be out for the entire season, mm-hmm. and then on Instagram, mm-hmm. takes a picture of his of his living room, which nice living room by the way. His Beautiful family's getting room. paid well. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, hmm. That's not Terry know. Porter money. Yeah, that's Michael Porter money. Hmm. Hmm. So anyway, family's getting paid well. Takes a picture of his living room and says, I don't know who said I was going to be out three to four months. And then he does emoji like the, face. the emoji with the like, guy I'm thinking like about it. tapping on his chin yes. that Tate and I do when we're talking about Michael Porter all the time, which mm-hmm. is, hmm, you just hmm. start just a lot of stuff. There's a very hazy picture still, even though it feels like the narrative is now trying to make it this went picture from, clear. He took a picture of himself in the in the room. He had these, I so, so he takes a picture like he's going into surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... Folks, I know that everyone took that picture and was like, see, he is going to surgery. You're a bad guy. When I see that picture, I think that's trying to prove that you're doing something, you know? He puts this picture out there. He's got headphones in before he goes into surgery. But anyways, I, I'm I'm like, okay, he's definitely getting treatment. I hope he's uh, – be well soon. 
I wake up the next day, Mark Titus, and I'm like, Michael Porter Jr., he's already putting something up about... He's shopping at a mall at Neiman Marcus. Wait, the what? The next day. With a back... Well, he just had back surgery. He just surgery. had back surgery. Who, who the next day hmm. is like, let me just you go to the, the mall and this, shop. This stinks to high hell. This reminds me of Dins Gazi when... Tom Izzo and Denzel Valentine fake the knee scope. Mm. Remember when Michigan State started out hot? Yes. Denzel Valentine has to sit out the season, sit out for like a few weeks to get his knee scoped. He, when he comes back, he never shows anybody his scars. He wears the leggings, covers this, covers his scars, comes back even better than he was before, fresh off a knee scope. Michigan State soars back up to the polls, and then Tom Tom Izzo karma comes back to bite him in the ass, and they lose to Middle Tennessee in the first round. But. I was I was on that then. I back then I had the same thing. Everyone's talking about Denzel Valentine and his knee surgeries. They faked the shit out of that. I think I'm I'm again, I'm not saying. I'm just I'm just saying. That's all. I'm just saying don't put it past teams to do something like this. Yeah. And Michael Porter Jr., everyone Folks, wants everyone wants to point to that picture in the room. Who the hell Where's the earbuds before they go yeah. into surgery? I don't understand that. I don't know. That seemed like an. Apple. Was it? Because yeah, yeah, is he going to be knocked out? Like, what are you going to? What are you going to listen to? Listen to podcast? Yeah. Maybe one shiny listen, podcast. Don't, don't be so naive, naive, folks. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. So, um, connect the dots. A few other shout outs I want to get. Yeah, go run done. through them. Uh, Oliver Tot, William and Mary hits a half court shot. This kid had a 19 trillion. And for those who don't know what a trillion is, it's when you get in the game and don't do anything. He literally did nothing for 19 minutes. The very Hero. first stat that he recorded was a half-court shot that gave his team the win at the buzzer. They won by two. So it wasn't even like a, if we miss this, we still have to go to overtime sort of situation. It was like, if I miss this, we lose. If I make it, we win. The dude made it. That was the only thing he did in 19 minutes. Unbelievable. Congrats, Oliver. Unbelievable. So shout-out to Oliver Tot. Uh, our, our buddy Buzzcut Brad for Wisconsin mm. uh, drew four charges against UCLA after his left shoulder <laughs> popped out of its socket. This guy is a folk hero. He's going to... When he when he when he graduates Anything from Wisconsin, the this guy is going to be my favorite. He's already my favorite player in the country, but like, I I, I can't tell you how much I'm going to end up loving this guy. <laughs> he's unbelievable. He he has his shoulder pop out of its socket, pops it back in against. Uh, I forget who they played the first game. Um, and then uh, it was, it was I think it was Creighton, wasn't it? I think it was. I didn't want to say. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Creighton. Against Creighton, he, he the shoulder pops out. He pops it back in, and then uh, the very next night, he takes four charges against UCLA. It happened again tonight against Virginia. He, mm-hmm. he the shoulder pops out, and he pops it back in. Love that kid, love him. And then the last thing I want to say is uh, Scott Drew. They won Baylor won the uh, the Hall of Fame thing, and it was in Kansas City. Yep, I saw a lot of a uh, a lot of a uh, rough night for the Scott Drew can't coach crowd. I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of. Uh, I love how Baylor fans like want to bring up the conversation. Don't put just, it to, like, yeah, be excited. Put it to just enjoy it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so Scott Drew is the. Uh, I think he proved he's a good coach once and for all. I think we got our answer, Tate. No, I think, I think it's done. Not I think yet. It's the, the case is closed. When Scott Drew goes to the Final Four and we're on his staff because we've dropped so Been many bags for him, <laughs> that's when we'll know he's a good coach. So, uh, oh, before we go, uh, big games to watch. Big right? games to watch this week. Got to tell the people what to watch. Yep. A lot of people listen to our podcast. This is the best compliment anybody could ever give us. Mm-hmm. I've had people say, "I don't actually care that much about college basketball." I just love listening to your takes, and I can tolerate Tate's takes sometimes as well. <laughs> that's uh, I get a lot of that, and I say, hey, man, thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's the best comment we can give. So, Tate, I'm sorry, Tate. I'm being mean. It's all right. That was mean. Um, Come on, college basketball fans. So, we're going to, you know, we're trying to give back. For those of you who tune in who aren't, like, plugged into college basketball and need to know what games to watch, here are your games to watch. Uh, Tuesday night, Baylor is at Xavier, mm-hmm. 6.30 Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Purdue is at Louisville, which, by the way, Louisville – 
It's Louisville at Purdue, right? No, it's Purdue at Louisville. Oh, okay. Is it? Is it Louisville at Purdue? I don't know. Does it matter? It's in Indiana. It's in West Lafayette. Is it, is it? Oh, yes. it's Louisville. Yes. Yeah, because they played Purdue played at Louisville yeah, last I year. I, I don't think Louisville's allowed to have home game. We, we aren't even allowed to talk about them. <laughs> isn't Cal, that, isn't that producer wild? Kyle might have to take this out. Nobody yeah. even nobody even talking about Louisville. No. They have like an actually pretty decent team, and I haven't they heard haven't a single. Yet. I haven't heard They're a single word in the country about Louisville. The closest I've heard to Louisville is about how Rick Pitino is we just like showing up people, at yeah, Minnesota practices. The media is blackballing Rick Pitino in Louisville right now. Yeah. Um, Come on. So that's that's Tuesday night. Wednesday night, Duke goes to IU. That's uh, going to be a blowout. But IU I, fans are like slow. If you, if if Indiana fans get drunk enough, they can convince themselves that like the mystique of Assembly Hall can will the Hoosiers to a victory. Which like it, by the way, it totally can. It totally can. It definitely it, can. It, but it's Archie, not going to. If Archie Miller does not win this game, he is one hundred percent Friday good guy of the week Fired. for me. You're saying that this Indiana team that that got blown out at home yes. by Indiana State has yes. to beat the number one team in the country. <laughs> hey, you want to you want to be Indiana basketball? It's prime uh, time. We got Michigan at North Carolina, seven thirty on Wednesday. That's on ESPN. Uh, North that Carolina. should be a good game. That I, I, I don't be, think yeah. people will. I don't think people care as much, but I think it'll be a good. I game. got my eye on Duncan Robinson, friend of the program. He's going to light your boys up. Uh, the one game that we're both excited about yes. the, the most: uh, Miami at Minnesota. These are the two most this is overlooked night. teams. Yeah, this is Wednesday night, 9-15 on ESPN2, 9-15 Eastern, Miami at Minnesota. Two undefeated teams, two great teams. Um, definitely check that out. Jordan Murphy of Minnesota, has, is if the season ended today, he'd be the unanimous Big Ten player of the year. He's been incredible this year, um, and he's got a double-double every game, Tate. Love this guy. America's going to fall in love with him. And Bruce once, Brown, yeah, triple-double. Already had yeah. triple-double this season. Uh, and then Thursday, Notre Dame at Michigan State. That's the game that everyone else is really excited about. I am excited about it too. I just I think Michigan State's going to win kind of easily. Uh, and then Friday we got Creighton at Gonzaga, mm. and we'll be back Friday. Uh, we're doing another pod. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You got anything else we need to say? No, not really. That's it. Uh, Congrats hey. to all of our good guys, bad guys, and cow guys of the Kyle world. Guy. Columbus Crew play the Toronto uh, FC. Winner goes to the MLS Cup. We're almost there. We've almost saved the crew. Let's get this done, crew. Save the crew. Let's hope they go to Austin. Cut that out, Kyle. (laughs) Kyle, cut that out.